0: Hey everyone, Sarah here. As you listen to our episodes recorded during the 2020 global pandemic, just a friendly reminder to check the date stamp on when that episode was released. And we'll also always tell you when it was recorded as well in the show notes and in the episode itself. Things change so quickly these days, including recommendations for health and safety, as well as just our own thoughts and feelings. So you may hear things that feel a bit dated if you're catching up on older episodes. Just know that we're experiencing this in real time, just like you, and that we're working really hard to follow the latest recommendations for the safety of our families and our communities. We're also working hard to bring you timely, relevant podcast episodes in a world that's changing really quickly. So just a reminder to listen with that context. Thanks for being here, friends. On to the episode. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. Hey everyone and welcome to episode 258 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here as always with Megan Francis. Hey Megan, how are you? Hey
1: Sarah, doing all right. How are you? I am
0: pretty good. We will say we're recording this. (laughs) (laughs) We're recording this on Sunday, April 26th and you know that's relevant because we are going to check in a little bit about staying at home and what that looks like right now. So we'll chat about that. For just a couple of minutes. And then the topic today is life skills that we're glad our kids have right now in this mm. in this period of time. <laughs> and also some that they're still working on. So what's yes. so funny about this is we've had a lot of time to observe our children in their natural habitat at home, especially with us having yes. older kids who are usually in school all day. I have many observations.
1: I'm sure you do too. Oh my gosh. Yes. And and it's like we're like a closed unit now. Yeah. So there's nobody coming in or out. Like you can't blame anybody besides the people that are in the home for, you know, the spilled milk or whatever the thing is. Yeah. Uh, like we know it's someone like the call is coming from inside the house. Kind yes. Of thing. So like, Yes. <clears throat> the mess is coming from inside the house. The
0: mess is coming. And I mean, not that not that moms should absorb all the credit or all the blame for anything. But when we're talking about life skills, modeling is such a huge part of it that there are some where I'm like, hey, you know, I've done a pretty good job. My husband and I have done a pretty good job with imparting this life skill. And then there are others where I'm like, who are your parents? Like, who raised you?
1: (laughs) What is happening? Were you raised in a barn? I've actually said, were you raised in a barn several times over the last few weeks? And then you're like,
0: oh, I am the barn.
1: Exactly. I created this barn.
0: (laughs) So we're going to have fun with this, um, talking about just what we've observed. And I think if you have really tiny kids, this might be a fun look ahead episode where you can be thinking, you know, don't get to where Megan and Sarah are and not have, you know, introduced such and such life skill because you've got you've got the benefit of time on your hands. So we're going to talk about some life skills our kids are doing well with and some others that they are still working on. Um, But I also just wanted to check in 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 real time here on April 26th. Megan, we've been doing this pandemic perspective series on Sundays. We've gotten a lot of great feedback. So thank you, everybody who has listened to those uh, those interviews. But one thing we've asked each of the moms who have come on to share their story, we've asked them what feels hard right now and what feels hopeful. And it's my favorite listening to their answers because it's not always necessarily what you would expect. Wouldn't you agree?
1: Oh, totally. Um, I share my hopeful um is shared with many of the the moms I talked to. yeah, um, but yeah, the things that are hard, like sometimes we were thinking, wow, this this mom has this really difficult job, but then when asked to tell us what was hard, it was something much more like pedestrian, yeah. like something that we're all going through. like yeah. the the things that are hard feels so universal.
0: agreed, agreed. Um, so we thought that just as a way of checking in with each other, we would answer the same. So what feels hard right now? and what feels hopeful. So I can start with what feels hard at this moment. Um, my middle son, Reed, who is almost 10, is having, not surprisingly, because it's I think it's to be expected, but pretty significant nighttime anxiety, either before he falls asleep at night or occasionally he'll wake up in the middle of the night and have trouble going back to sleep. And he's always my kid who's had some anxiety. And um, we've developed lots of good coping mechanisms. And, um, I feel like I'm pretty well-practiced. So if there's a, if there's an upside to this, it's not freaking me out. Like I know it's really normal. Um, and I know a lot of kids are going through this right now. And the funny thing is you'd, you'd think he would be anxious about COVID-19, right. Or something related to that. And he's not, it's things like, I'll just name off a few. And I know you've had kids who've been fearful, but you know, a colony of black widows, maybe, um, living Mm -hmm. in his room Um, one night he was really afraid of appendicitis and getting appendicitis. I'm, I'm laughing with love, right? Like the thing, they're so, um, nebulous or they're so unconnected, disconnected to reality, but that's what anxiety is, right? It's
1: right. Otherwise it wouldn't be anxiety, right? It would be, it would be be an imminent threat, right? Right. (laughs) Exactly, Exactly.
0: So, I mean, the reason it's hard, two, two reasons it's hard on, on opposite ends of the spectrum, um from a loving my kid and empathy point of view, it's just, it's hard to see him struggle this way. Um, and then just from my own, my, my own sanity, um, it's meant that bedtime looks like, like the olden days, right. Of like yeah. up and down the stairs. I mean, up to two hours, um, trying different, trying different strategies. Let's put on a sleep story from the calm app. Let's um, I'll move you to my bed. Cause it's a little cooler in there. Let's try that. So it's like, it's not just going up and patting him on the head and leaving. It's like really active nighttime parenting for up to two Mm. hours a night. And it's been going on for several nights. So that has been hard on my own. We know how I am after like 8 PM. I don't want to parent anymore. And this is is like next level (laughs) parenting.
1: And the thing about, you know, nighttime anxiety in particular, and I had, I had that pretty bad when I was a kid actually. Yeah. Um, But there's no logic to it. I mean, of course it's somehow related to the fact that his life is topsy turvy because of COVID, but, you know, kids aren't going to probably lie in bed I'm, I'm this total generalization, but like COVID's almost too specific exactly. for a kid to like, it's more likely that they're going to think about monsters or yeah. bugs or things that like you, you can't talk them out of. Nope. There's no logicking out of that because yeah. it's not logical. So yep. that's really hard.
0: Yeah. And then I'll just on top of that, I just feel like we're in a phase right now um, that feels like it, there's so much uncertainty about how long this is going to last. And I find myself mm-hmm. like, that's just hard. That's that's just a, a yeah. general hard thing. So anyway, those are my, those are my hards. How about you?
1: Well, my hard w- is pretty much the thing that you just last said. Um, I feel like we powered through the first, you know, five, six, seven, however, I don't even know how long this has been going on at this point. It, six weeks, I guess. Um, and I feel like we powered through it pretty well. And it's just getting a little long, you know, like we know here in Michigan, there's going to be at least three more weeks of staying at home. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of that, we don't know what it's going to look like. Um, we can't make any plans. Yep. like we can't plan a trip. There's no milestones or like things on the calendar to look forward to. Yep. The end of school is just going to fizzle out. Yep. Like school kind of started in a fizzle, and now it's just going to end in a Sorry, fizzle. Sorry, I'm not trying
0: to laugh.
1: Well, but you know what laughing. I mean, though. Like it just because we had a, like a long break between between when in our um, state, they, they took a while deciding on how long, whether we were going to close for the whole year. And then when they finally made that call, how that was going to look. So we had a couple of weeks where there really wasn't much like two, three weeks where there really was nothing happening. And now we just kind of like oozed back into some kind of school like thing that's not school. And then that's just going to end, I guess, at some point. And that's not, that's going to feel totally anticlimactic. And the campgrounds that I want to, you know, that I've been looking at, everything's closed till the middle of, of summer and maybe longer. And we have a very short, um, we have a short warm season here, right? So I guess I would just say everyone's starting to look, get a little listless. Like we all did okay, but the feeling of meh is strong in the house. Like no one's actively like mad or sad or scared. It's just like, oh, another day, another day, just like yesterday. And then we've got endless days, just like today, stretching out in front of us. And we have no idea yeah. how long or what it's going to look like. So that's just, it's hard.
0: It's a, There's a cumulative toll. I found myself explaining the definition of the word malaise, which is a word mm. I think, I didn't learn it from you, but I think you I think you use it more than I do. I and like, it's like that word. It's such a good word. And I was explaining the meaning of it. It's just, it, it does. It's a malaise. It's a, a yeah. meh, a sustained meh. Um, And I've felt sustained it.
1: Sustained meh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay.
0: Well, let's talk about what feels hopeful. And I can go first again. This is maybe not hopeful, but just something I'm super grateful for and just aware of is that my nuclear family of five really likes each other. We really do. Like we enjoy hanging out as a fivesome. We get along for the most part. and there have been so many days where I'm really thankful for the ages of my kids. Um, I'm sure there are, there are ups and downs to like any stage of life you might be in. And certainly a lot of people's situations is harder than others, but I don't have toddlers and I don't have teenagers. And Mm. I think the the hardness of both of those, um, would be probably more intense than what I am experiencing. Cause my, even my oldest at she's turning 12 tomorrow as this airs, um, is not social enough and not independent enough to have have had much taken away other than school, of course. Um, And I, and then of course on the young end, you know, I, I, seven is the youngest. So I, it's not hopeful, but i am just, I'm increasingly aware of how lucky we are that we genuinely like each other and that there's enough of us, five people in a house. I think I, even though of course I would like some alone time and all of that, I am, I'm liking a busier house right now. It would feel hard, Mm. I think, if it was fewer of us. So I don't know. I Mm -hmm. think I'm just, it's not even hopeful. It's just, I'm grateful.
1: Well, I love that. And, and my kids and I are all uh, lucky enough to really enjoy each other and find each other quite funny and fun. Um, But I will agree about your kids' ages. You are in the gravy zone. Yeah, Like that is, you know, if I could go back in time or if I was forced to go back in time and freeze Mm -hmm. an age, it would be like when, when all of my kids were sort of in that like older elementary, young tween, mm-hmm. yeah. teen age, because it's just it's it's just like a little sweet spot, so that's really nice. Yeah. Um. Well, I have to say that, and during the interviews that I did, at least for pandemic perspectives, at least two, mm-hmm. possibly more of the moms, when we asked them what felt hopeful, they said the weather. Yeah. And that was weeks ago, and it's slowly here in Michigan getting you know warmer and warmer. We're in kind of that like rainy, unpredictable up and down phase. Um, but that feels hopeful to me because I'm sort of realizing that even if summer doesn't look what I wanted it to look like, um, like even if we can't camp or go on vacations or whatever it is that we might not be able to do, there's really a lot of ways we can enjoy ourselves around here. And, and because we've been simplifying our days already and like, we're just hanging out, we're cooking, we're baking, we're Mm -hmm. planting, Um, we're finally starting to get the yard and the deck cleaned up and that's going to be really nice to have, um, active this summer. I've just found a lot to enjoy about the pace of life that we're in right now. And I think if the weather will just get it together, I can really kind of, I don't know, lean into it right now. It feels like I'm in a little bit of a limbo. Like if it was just nice outside and I could just sit out on my deck, I would feel so much better. And I, when we get there, I think it's going to be nice.
0: Well, as you're talking, I'm realizing that what feels hopeful in a lot of different things is some kind of change, positive change in any direction. Mm-hmm. And that's why when we talk about this sustained feeling of malaise, six weeks is a long time. And maybe you're listening to this in the future. Now it's been 82 weeks, but right now on April 26th, it feels like a long time now of the same. So weather yes. is one one positive change. Maybe another positive change will be our state's safely, you know, opening up small sectors and maybe another small change will be the end of school so that we, had, you know, at least don't have to do that anymore. At least don't have to think about I it. Just, like, yeah. We haven't had, we've had, um, change in the hard direction, you know, several, yeah. you know, getting, you know, bad news over and over again. Then we've had, for me, this is, I'm speaking for my own kind of trajectory. Then we've had like sustained kind of sameness. And then yes. we're waiting for the next thing that's even slightly positive.
1: Right. Yeah. I totally agree. And and I will also say that March has never been one of my favorite months. Yeah. Um, and April is the cruelest marginally month. better. <laughs> and that I feel like we just got like, you know, a four-month-long March. Yeah. That's what it felt like. Yeah. Like here, take all this March and just just hang out there. <laughs> March has never been marchier. So yeah, I agree. Like some change, some positive a positive shift of some sort, something to look forward to, it would make a big difference right now.
0: Agreed. Well, that felt good just to kind of let everybody know what it's like in our houses right now. And um, again, those pandemic perspectives episodes, uh, we've now aired three on Sundays and it's really cool. There's three interviews per episode. So nine interviews total so far. And it is really interesting to hear what feels hard and what feels hopeful to moms in different kind of careers and positions all over the country. So All right, well, we will take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about some life skills. We are welcoming back our sponsor, Dermatology, today. And Megan, I'm so glad I started a regular skincare routine with dermatology products before everything changed, because now it's one less thing to think about and one more thing that I'm doing, you know, just for me. If you're not familiar, Dermatology, and that is spelled without vowels, so D-R-M-T-L-G-Y, they make medical-grade skincare products with pure, safe, clinically proven ingredients.
1: I have been loving it too. So if you're ready to up your skincare game, but you're not sure where to start, you're going to love the self-care starter kit that Dermatology put together just for our listeners. It comes with four full-size products, a cleanser, a serum, a sunscreen, and a retinol complex, and they're all designed to be used together. Dermatology has marked the package all the way down to $99 with free shipping just for our listeners which is a fantastic deal, especially for these kind of high-quality products.
0: Yeah, this is such a good deal. It all of a sudden feels like summer here in Southern California, and I am obsessed with the Daily Sunscreen Moisturizer. It goes on smooth, and it also doesn't mess with any of my other products. You know, I'm not wearing a ton of makeup these days, but if I do decide to do my face a little bit, that sunscreen feels really good just as a base underneath it all.
1: I have been using the sunscreen and I also love that it doesn't have that smell, you no, know, like yeah. that sunscreeny smell that a lot of them do. So it's a favorite of mine as well. I also really love the anti-aging serum. I have been putting it on at night and it just feels like one little thing I can do for myself before I crash. So again, it's $99 for a cleanser, a sunscreen, an anti-aging serum and a retinol complex, all of which adds up to $175 normally. And you're going to get free shipping on top of that. So head to the slash skincare and it's super easy to order the bundle right from there. Again, themomhour.com slash skincare will take you right to Dermatology's special offer for our listeners. Check it out.
0: Megan, it feels like the way we do everything has changed lately, and I find myself wanting to support small businesses as much as I can. And at the same time, that's confusing because it's not like I can head out and browse my local boutiques, right?
1: Yeah, I totally agree. And you all know how much we love our affiliate partner, Jane.com. It's a daily deals marketplace that curates sales for boutique sellers at really, really good prices. Well, it turns out Shopping Jane is a really easy way to support small businesses, many of them mom-owned small businesses.
0: Yes, I was shoppingjane.com for some Easter and birthday gift stuff recently, and I noticed a whole page on their site talking about how they're working with their sellers during the COVID-19 crisis. They're really championing small businesses right now, making sure prices stay fair, and they're even helping get medical supplies where they're needed and donating proceeds from certain products to help local communities that are hit hard by the pandemic.
1: I love that. And I love knowing that when I shop Jane, I'm buying directly from a small business owner while I'm also staying at home, of course. And we're part of Jane's affiliate program, which means that if you shop through our link, you'll be helping support the podcast at no additional cost to you. Head to themomhour.com slash Jane to start shopping on your phone or your browser. Again, it's themomhour.com slash Jane. All
0: right, Megan. So we're going to start by talking about some of the life skills that we're glad to have imparted to our kids or that they're doing decently well at um, that we've observed while being at home. But I just first want to um, just mention that I've seen a lot on the internet lately about like, now is a great time to pick up a new hobby or get in
1: shape or like, (laughs) sounds great.
0: Teach your kids about (laughs) classic movies or, you know, fill in the blank. So I want to be clear that at least in my experience, so much of imparting life skills is about modeling as parents, and and that it happens over the long haul. So this episode is not to suggest that you <laughs> that you add it to your to do list to teach your kids a bunch of new life skills, because it's it's happening in your house already anyway. Yes, um, we just wanted to kind of point out the ones we've observed, like, gosh, I'm so glad my kids know how to, you know, fill in the blank, but not to add to your quarantine to-do list to start, you know.
1: We don't believe in quarantine to-do lists. We, we no, do not. Unless they make you happy. Right. So, um, Yeah. And I, I I was thinking earlier when you mentioned, you know, if you have really little kids and you're looking forward, the funny thing is if you have a baby, you're already starting to do this without knowing it. Yeah. You know, as we've said before about other things like, I don't know, keeping the house clean or whatever. Um, this isn't something you just do in a day and it's done. Like this is something you're doing every day for the rest of the rest of the days that there are. And then one day you're going to go, oh, wow, look, my kids know how to do this thing. Or you're going to say, as we will later, "Um, wow, I, I kind of missed the boat on, (laughs) on that. So yeah, definitely something that happens over the long haul and is It's like a mindset Mm -hmm. more so than a thing you just decide to do one day.
0: Yes. And didn't you say in a recent episode too, maybe we're talking about eating and feeding a family or manners or something that like some things actually happen out in the world or at friends' houses much more effectively than they happen in your own home. So you can really take the pressure off yourself to impart every life skill. Um, And again, we're just
1: shining the light today. Totally agree. Okay. So this is one, um, what I love about this first one for me is that this came from me having a certain mindset and also wanting from a very early age, wanting my kids to be able to do this thing. So it would make my life easier. Mm. And I think that's totally an okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, I don't know. It's, it's an okay reason for you to do something or motive yeah. for you to do something. And that would be, um, my kids all have a really good ability to talk to strangers to conduct business, mm-hmm. to speak up for themselves. Um, it's been a big part of our family culture, you know, since I remember Jake and Isaac sending them into stores and me standing outside to see if they could manage the transaction. Um, and they're all pretty good at it. Now, the funny thing is they've all been raised exactly the same in this regard, with mm-hmm. the same expectations. Um, and some of them are great at it. And one in particular is not so good at it. Mm-hmm. He would just really rather not do it. So even with these skills, you can model, model, model and teach, teach, teach. And your kids are still going to absorb or learn them at different levels. And it makes me laugh because Jacob was so good at the ability to talk to strangers and charm people that I had to actually like scale it back because people, random strangers kept buying him stuff. (laughs) Like when he was a little kid, he'd go into the store and then he'd come out and give me all my money back. Like, you know, I give him a $20 bill. He'd come back out with a 20 and I don't know, candy bar. And I would say, what?
0: What happened? Where did you
1: steal it? And he's like, no, this guy in line paid for it. I and mean, that happened all the time. And so finally, I was like, Jacob, just because you can, I mean, don't do that. Like, say no, thank you. Yeah. You know, don't let yeah. random people buy you things. It's weird. He just had this ability to get people to do things for him. And chat um, it up. And chat them up. Yeah. So I don't know if he looked like a little urchin. I don't know what it was. Did he like put his hands clasped under his chin and say, please, sir? I like some more, but no. So anyway, I guess that's just a caveat that some of your kids may end up great at something that you model, and others may just not pick it up.
0: Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I have a very specific memory of you and Clara coming out to visit. I want to say Clara was eight, turning nine. That it was February, so she was little, and she, we were in that hotel in Palm Springs, and she just marched up to get the Wi-Fi password like a like a grown-up. <laughs> would I was with her I think you were you were speaking at the conference or something but yeah um, I have witnessed the youngest of your children advocating for herself very you know professionally and maturely so I agree I think that's a great one so the first life skill that I noticed um, that my kids are pretty good at is how to choose a gift wrap a gift and give a gift including like Writing a card or writing the person's name on it. Um, and it's just a small, frivolous thing. Um, but yeah, it's, it's some, important. It's important. And it's something that we've always practiced with birthday parties. I've always tried to make them involved in choosing the gift, even if it's, even if it's, I'm ordering from Amazon or something, but thinking about coaching them through the process of thinking about what someone might like, thinking about a price range. And then usually they are fully responsible for wrapping and making a handmade card. Um, and I, when they're really little, I just say, look, this is your ticket to go to a birthday party. You're going to get, they're providing you this fun day with free pizza and free cake. And I don't want to hear any whining because you're going to make a nice handmade card, write a nice note and pick out and wrap a gift. And so I have made it, you know, kind of obligatory. Mm Um, but I do think that as they get older, Um, we have fun as a family thinking about what should we get so-and-so for their birthday. And it's just become a natural part of family culture. And I realize that's something they can carry out into, into life is being a good gift giver. And, and through all the parts of that, of that process.
1: I love that. And I think that giving a thoughtful gift is a really important life skill. Um, Do you find that any of your kids, have like paralysis, like choice paralysis yes. when it comes to getting gifts for other people. I have at least one of those and it is very frustrating. Yeah.
0: And I, when I say <laughs> they're good at picking it out, I'm still doing a lot of helping at this point. Right. Um, And we've gone through phases where, you know, you, you know, as kids get older, they give a lot of gift cards or money and it's yeah. kind of like, oh, this is a bummer. So we've tried to do things like, Hey, would you like to give them a target gift card and maybe pair it with a little card game? Something yeah. and expensive and they'll get excited about that. So, it's not that they're it's not that they can do it all on their own yet, but that they know they know the process to go through of thinking what this person might like. You know, Reed has one little buddy who lives in a, in a kind of a small condo. He doesn't have a lot of space and he doesn't have siblings. He's an only child. Well, what we get for somebody like that is going to be different from a kid with a huge backyard where we might get, you know, so I think the process of thinking through what, what would this person like and what would be a gift that they could really use um, is where I've been able to kind of coach them, but they're not, yeah, they totally get decision paralysis still.
1: And it can be really hard, especially if it's like a classmate that they don't know that well like you're kind of guessing. I have found that um, limiting the selection helps when you have mm-hmm. a paral- kid okay, with paralysis. So like not going to the toy aisle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, totally. <laughs> staying away, totally. going to like just to the drugstore maybe yeah. and like allowing them to peruse the arts and crafts, like, yep. you know, a tiny little section. And suddenly they're like, oh yeah, markers and a sketch pad. I totally yeah. forgot that she likes to draw or whatever. Whereas if, they, if you just let them go. I have that problem. Thing. If I, if yeah. I,
0: go someplace with too many options. So yeah, even that process of thinking how to narrow your options, I think is a good skill. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, my next one is pet care. Um, Now notice I didn't say cheerful pet care. (laughs) Um, That's become a bit of a sticking point in our house sometimes, but we have had an array of scaly, furry, no feathered friends. I refuse to have birds in the house. It creeps me out. Yeah. Um, But we've had a lot of different kinds of pets. Some have Met with untimely ends. And we talked about that recently. Mm-hmm. Others have just, you know, lived out their lives. And all the kids know how to take care of all the pets, which I just think has been like right now, we just have a dog and a cat, but we've in the past had a dog, a cat, uh, a gecko, a different kind of gecko, um, <laughs> a hamsters. Hamster, yeah. We had a turtle for a long time. We've had fish, like just lots of different things. And they all require something a little bit different. And yeah. some of them, like, have to be fed live food and like they're they're gross sometimes yeah. and now the dog has to be let out many times a day she's getting old and like I don't even know if she has to go out if like her bladder needs it or if we just she just wants to be out but we're just constantly like the hearing the negotiating happening about like <laughs> who just let moxie out let her back in like walking her feeding her watering her um litter box with the cat like they all just kind of know how to do all those things mm-hmm. and it does take a big burden off of me because uh, you know, when I get to where I'm doing things again, it's nice to know I can leave the house for a few hours and the animals will be cared for while I'm gone. Um, even if no one's super happy about having to do it.
0: No, (laughs) I, I mean, pet care is such a perfect one for kids because there's some skills built into it that translate into other areas of life, like cleaning and hygiene nurturing yep. empathy like there's so much built into um like a, a relatively uh achievable package of jobs but that really do carry forward into other you know other things caring for another creature so i love that one right um okay so my next life skill is the ability to apologize appropriately and well and this is not something that's perfect in my house but what i find interesting about it is that i was always of the approach of not making my kids apologize when they were little. I might model it for myself. We've talked about this in more like discipline and parenting episodes. I might say, I might say, I'm so sorry that happened to a child for whom I feel genuinely sorry, but Mm. um, forcing or requiring an apology sibling to sibling or friend to friend has never just been something that I've done. So it's interesting that now I get to witness heartfelt apologies for little things and big things and of all kinds, you know, sometimes it's in the moment, like, oh, sorry, I really didn't mean to knock over your, your, you know, bead, what we've been doing, those perler beads, you know, those, um, ones you melt (laughs) and they can have very catastrophic endings if you knock the little tray. (laughs) Um, (laughs) so
1: no, it's like like, your
0: work is ruined. Yes. So like a quick (laughs) apology and like, I'll help you pick that up. Um, or even the kind where it's like later and it's like, mom, I'm sorry that you know, this happened earlier, they reflect back and all things that we've just tried to model over and over again, but that take years. This is the kind of stuff that takes years to, um, become Mm -hmm. a part of a kid's natural ability because they're not, they're not born with it. And they're little impulsive creatures without, I mean, they're, they're self-oriented. That's, that's how they're supposed to be for so long so the the ability to and the willingness to apologize, I just do think is a life skill. And I have started to see it. And it's just, it makes me feel good to see.
1: That it is, it's like heartwarming. It's like, you know, saying sorry or like little moments of empathy that you witness your kids. And they start that young. But I remember very clearly, like the first time I saw um, my older, my oldest show sympathy mm-hmm. to his younger brother because he got hurt or something. Yeah. It's like, oh one of those moments. And he was little, like two years old. Yeah. Um, Okay. So here's another one that I put in the category of, I'm really glad they learned this because it made my life easier. And probably my desire to make my life easier made me prioritize teaching them this. But um, that would be amusing, amusing themselves and each other, or I will say, and or each other, because depending on which kid, some are better at like, finding a sibling to amuse them. Mm -hmm. And some are better at amusing themselves. And Mm -hmm. that's a personality thing. And, you know, Clara is the only girl, so she is really good at amusing herself. Um, It's almost like she just kind of tolerates attention from the boys or like their, their lifestyle or their company. But she's really good at going in her bedroom and finding art supplies and keeping herself busy. And she's been good at that, you know, since she was really, really little because I was working from home and she needed to be. And the boys have always been good at like kind of maneuvering around the available social life in the house and then also removing themselves from it. Like they're really good at hiding out if they don't want to be around Mm -hmm. people and like getting their alone time. I just, I witnessed how they kind of get their needs met now as adults, you know, as teenagers and adults. And that started when they were very little like knowing when it was time to put themselves in their bedroom mm-hmm. and and get some quiet time or whatever, or knowing which sibling they wanted to be playing with at that moment because they have several to choose from. So um, I just think that's something I had to do because I've been working from home for so long that yeah. they either had to play with each other or they had to figure out how to how to amuse themselves. Yeah. And I I hit that hard and now it shows.
0: Well, I'm thinking of how that life skill will serve them as adults. And I think there are a lot of adults who don't know their own kind of internal needs with regard to introversion and extroversion. And yeah. like, do I want to be around people right now? Do I need alone time? Those are things that even adults need to learn about themselves. So it yes. is really a a huge blessing that they've been in this big, busy house and sort of gotten to learn that as they as they become themselves i think is really cool um also we mentioned on friday when we did that kind of special episode about getting a break as a mom and i just said yeah. like however young your kids are and however terrible they are at giving you 5 <laughs> minutes of peace you can you can help stretch them a little bit better like yeah. it, it doesn't happen overnight it happens by getting a little bit better and a little bit better and the, the one time that you say, go find a brother, like you say, what did I make you all those brothers for? Like, go find somebody else to play with. And then one day they yeah. actually will and it'll work. So yes, it's just, it's it's a long, hard slog, but so worth it. I agree. So I love that one. It's like
1: one of those things where it's e- sometimes easier in the moment to just give in and not do that, but it's so much easier over the long haul yeah. to do the hard thing of like making them. Yes. 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 Of making it happen. Agreed.
0: Yeah. Well, the last one that I am going to mention I think it's a bit of a stretch to call it a life skill, but maybe sort of like a family value or something that I appreciate that I'm noticing. And that is in our house when, speaking of siblings playing together, when someone says stop, you stop. It doesn't matter if it's physical play or some kind of teasing or some kind of like fun. It doesn't matter how fun it was. If someone says stop, everything stops. And I've, you know, beaten that in, not beaten that in. I have drummed that into them. (laughs) Um, as they said, stop. (laughs) Yes, stop. 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 (laughs) You will stop. Um, yeah. So, but what's cool is now it is an ingrained part of our family culture. And someone will say, "I heard stop. I heard stop," and everything will stop. And I just think that that's such an important thing for kids to like have as like if I say stop, whatever this doesn't feel good, whatever kind of play or behavior that that everything stops. And so they do it, they're good at both saying stop and they're good at respecting when someone else says stop. And so I think that, I I don't know if it's a life skill, um, but the one that I'll add to that that I've also noticed is they're also getting really good at asking for help and responding if someone needs help. So it's a little bit of a different version of this. But if someone is like carrying, you know, a big bag of dog food through the door and says, could somebody help get the door? I feel like it used to just fall on deaf ears. No one cared. Like no one. Everyone just kind of look around like what? And I don't know if it's this (laughs) enforced you know, communal living that we're doing or just maturity. But I feel like now not only are they responding when someone says stop, but they're also responding to each other when someone asks for help or when we ask for help. And both of those things, I just am so hopeful that they'll carry out into
1: the world. Well, I have something to say about both of those. Um, the stopping thing is so important. And I mean, I can think of so many ways that that will play out. Um, I mean, everything from romantic relationships mm-hmm. to carrying a joke too far. Yeah. You know, like there's just so many ways that like kids need to learn to stop um, because they're hurting someone's feelings or hurting them physically or because they just, the other person doesn't like that anymore. Like that is so important. And I, and I do think it's, it's, it's rewarding to watch that happen. Um, But I think with the helping thing, I think like your kids are in that phase right now where they're still little enough that maybe they don't see themselves as having like agency. Like they don't, See themselves as counting. So when you know someone says, "Well, you know, can someone help me with this?" They're not thinking of themselves you're as so right. helpers. Yeah, they're thinking of themselves as as being helped. Yeah, you're they're so like, right. <laughs> so suddenly now they're seeing that they actually. I mean, that's like that's a really empowering thing yeah. for them to be able to see that. And maybe it is all this forced time, or yeah, or maturity, like you said, or both. But yeah. I think that's oh, that's very. Um, Inspiring.
0: Yeah, agreed. Well, (laughs) this all felt really good to talk about all the ways Uh in which our kids are. You You mean the
1: show's not over? We can't just end it now? Okay.
0: So, after the break, we're going to talk about some of the ways we've noticed room for improvement in the life skills that our kids have or do not have. So, we'll be right back. Megan, Mother's Day is less than two weeks away. And this year, everything feels so different. We can't all be near or with our moms. And gift buying has gone completely remote, too. Plus, people are just missing their loved ones. So our sponsor, Skylight Frame, is a perfect gift for right now, and there's still time to get this one done for Mother's Day.
1: Yeah, totally agree. Skylight makes touch screen digital frames that are easy to set up and that anyone can send photos to. The way it works is that you just email photos right to the frame and they automatically pop up on it, which is such a fun surprise.
0: We have heard from so many listeners who have bought Skylight Frames for their moms and grandmas, and they cannot say enough good things. And yes, it sets up in under 60 seconds. So your mom or grandma can just plug it in, use the touchscreen to connect to her wireless network, and then the frame can start receiving pictures right away. The touchscreen also lets your loved one swipe through the photos with their finger and even tap the heart button to let the sender know that they like the photo.
1: I can just see grandmas all over the country getting so excited seeing a new photo pop up on their frame. And you know, everyone is home right now so much that having this beautiful frame showing pictures of loved ones you can't see in person is an even more meaningful gift. And we've got a great deal for you. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter the code HOUR. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter the code HOUR. That's S K Y L I G H T F R A M E.com and the code OUR. That's HOUR. That's H O U R.
0: Before we get back to the episode, Megan, let's remind everyone about our special series, Pandemic Perspectives.
1: Yes, if you haven't listened yet, check your podcast app right here in the Mom Hour feed and you'll see these episodes. We're so proud of this project and removed by the conversations we've been having with moms whose lives are really directly and profoundly affected by what's going on right now.
0: There are two short interviews in each special episode and you can listen to them in any order. We really hope you'll check them out. And if you have a perspective you'd like to share and are interested in being interviewed for this project, we've got a link in the show notes where you can find out more.
1: Thanks everyone. And now let's get back to the episode. Okay, so now we're gonna get real honest and talk about life skills um that we either wish we'd thought to start teaching, or maybe just that I know for myself it might be the the places where I see kind of me having fallen down on the job might be I just didn't prioritize it or that I'm expecting too much. So sure, like, I think that's'll <laughs> be point. an interesting yeah. thing to talk through. Um, but this is a good time to mention that our friend Christine Ko from the Edit Your Life podcast um made this awesome graphic with a hundred life skills that you can teach your kids in five minutes or less and it's all organized. It's yeah. just really, I mean, if, if you are looking for something to like mix up your days right now, or you have five minutes and you're like, I would like to teach something. I think this would be cool to like print out and put on the fridge.
0: Yeah, it, I agree. And actually, if you look at it, it makes you feel pretty good. Because when I look at this with the ages of my kids, seven, nine, 11, I think, okay, they they really do know how to do a lot of these things. And, and I, it's right. not that I even put it on my to-do list to teach them they've just learned so it might yeah. also be if you're feeling a little sheepish about this it might actually also just help you um feel good about how many skills that your kids do have and then and definitely highlight some that you want to teach and Christine just puts everything together so beautifully it always looks nice and is so organized so we'll link to that in the show notes
1: and the, I see that plunging a toilet is on this list and there are definitely some kids in my house who I believe um <laughs> are being what's the what is it when you are purposely willfully helpless?
0: ignorant Will, willful <laughs> yes. oh oh it's like a yeah. learned helplessness is that what you mean learned helplessness
1: yes. yes because i am like really good at plunging the toilet and so <laughs> i tend to just jump in and do it and you know i don't want that distinction yeah um, that, that's anymore. not that's not a mantle you want to i would like to forever. pass the crown mm-hmm. for the best plunger onto somebody else that's so funny um, okay well i'll go first on this one this is going to fall under the category of maybe my expectations are too high but I'm noticing that my kids don't do things just because they need to be done. Um, I've talked a lot on the show about my active household management mm-hmm. style, and that's really worked for me for many years. But I think sometimes it can get in the way because they're so used to me telling them what to do mm-hmm. that no one's really thinking. They're not thinking ahead. Like No one's going, wow, there's a bunch of dishes in the sink. I'll wash them. Um And the other thing is there's no natural consequences to them ignoring the pile of dishes because eventually they're going to get clean. Either someone's going to be told to wash them or I'll wash them. Yeah. So I I feel like it's something that they don't. There's just no real reason right now for them to um, proactively just volunteer to do things. Yeah. Because I'm pretty cheerful about it. I, I will ask them to do it and they'll do it. But sometimes I just think, you know, it would be really nice if. Like you had the empathy again to recognize that I'm doing so many things, including making sure all these things get done and maybe someone could just do it. So I don't have to ask. Um, I, 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 they're, they're kids. They're like you said, self-oriented, even into their teens and even into their early twenties. So that might just be one of those things. Yeah. I don't know.
0: No, <laughs> Would, but I agree. It
1: must be nice. you know. Well, and
0: remember on Friday when we talked about the things that come up for moms when we haven't had a break in a while and one of them is feeling unappreciated or like you need yeah. affirmation. And this is like a corollary to that, which is if you always have to be right. The, the line I quote so often with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn in the movie, the breakup yes. is like, I want you to want to do the dishes. Like I want someone other than me to think that this is a problem or a priority. And that is hard. To
1: value what I do in an outward way. Yeah.
0: And I do (sighs) think that's a life skill. And and you're right, there's probably a lot of it that will just come with time and maturity and living on your own and being a grown up. And I don't think I ever got there as a teenager. Like sorry mom, I don't. But so yeah, it's just that is it's always something to strive for. Well, my first one is maybe a jumping off point from this. And it's less about doing things just because they need to be done, but I am realizing that um, I wish my kids had some sort of built in or I wish we as a family had some sort of built in cadence for taking care of personal space, meaning bedrooms and bathrooms. Um, I also ask them to do things at a certain point. Things get dirty enough or messy enough and I will Prompt them and they will do it. Um, but I think some families have a more structured approach to this. Like I don't make my kids make their bed, and in fact, I've gone through decades of my life where I didn't make my bed, and I turned out fine. And I do make my bed every day now. Um, so it hasn't been a big thing where it's like you make your bed every day. Um, you every, every weekend you clean your room, and the bathroom cleaning goes like this. And you'd think I would be structured about that, but I haven't been. And now I'm realizing that. Um it like just like you said it's a lot on me and what tends to happen is I wait till things get really gross and bad and then I'm kind of grumpy about it. Um so I guess this is not a regret but I kind of wish that I had it is a regret a little bit that maybe built in some kind of um just ex- expected rhythm for taking care of your things and I'll just tell a really funny story I think it's funny when I went to college um you've met my college roommate Allison yeah. Um And she like the first weekend that we lived in our dorm, she like got out her bottle of like pledge, like spray <laughs> for the desks. And she, I think it was just because like in her mind on the weekend, you tidy up your space. And I was like, wow, yeah. you are like a grown up. <laughs> but like now right? I kind of get it. Like that is kind of what I'm circling around here, that that there is some kind of internal clock that says like. Every day we do this and every week we do this to care for our personal space. And I don't expect them to care for the whole house, but I'm realizing that they've never had that. And maybe I could have done that.
1: Well, it's not too late. I mean, that's the kind of thing that can happen at any point. And uh, the funny thing is um, actually being in a divorced family really helped with this for me because we used to be like weekend cleaners and I was pretty good about like Saturday morning, guys, let's all just pitch in and do something. But it wasn't real structured. Now that I know on Wednesdays I'm going to lose them for, you know, 3 to 4 days, I there is definitely like a Wednesday early Wednesday cleaning mm-hmm. thing that we do. And it's like especially now that everyone's home. Yeah. Um I guess it looked a little different when they were at school, but still there would be like, okay, it's time for the trash to go to the curb and recycling to go to the curb. Everyone go get your clothes out of your bedroom and throw them in the laundry. Like there's just a you're about to be gone and I don't want to look at a disgusting space with nobody in it. <laughs> so let's take care of the space yeah. before you go. And then I'm going to feel really good about that. I don't make the kids like make their beds every day. Um, but I do. It's kind of funny. It kind of depends where their bedroom is. So Clara's bedroom is right off the main hallway and she always has her bedroom door open. Mm-hmm. So I do ask her to clean her or to make her bed because you can see it from the hall. Whereas William always has his bedroom door shut. So I don't really care. Yeah. Or notice. Yeah. Um, But like, I think for me, it's like, A couple times a week, I just poke my head in all the bedrooms and and hand out some direction. Um, But the fact that my kids are leave and return on a regular in a regular cadence helps put cadence around. Yeah, it gives you like
0: a midweek check in instead of, like you said, the weekend and agreed. I'm kind of filing this one under the same, whereas like it might be a lot to expect kids to care about their personal space. But we're now all spending so much time in our personal space that I'm realizing it's a it's a growth opportunity area.
1: Exactly. Exactly. All right. What's your next one? Uh, Oh, gosh, this one is just getting out of control. (laughs) Um, This is throwing away or recycling boxes like food containers and boxes when they're empty or just as important. Don't be that person who leaves like a quarter of a serving of cereal in the bottom of the box. Yeah. So I don't know. Is this a problem in your home?
0: Well, you know, we're all over the map here because I would say we're still 50-50 in whether we are serving food and snacks to our kids or yeah. whether they are helping themselves. So I would say they don't have quite as much autonomy in the pantry and fridge. They have some, but not as much as your kids. Um, yeah. So I'm, I am still very much the one who knows like how little is left in the container and
1: who, Yeah. yeah. Well, and there's certain culprits. I mean, I know who the the biggest offenders are for sure. But I, I want to know. You're not going to throw them under the bus. No, like, I'm not going to throw them under. The usually, bus, I but, can guess
0: with your kids when you say a certain someone, but I have no idea who the offenders
1: are. In okay. Your head. Well, his name rhymes with Jacob, <laughs> and everybody knows it. That's the funny thing. Like everybody is aware that it's that he's the biggest offender, and he'll even say, like, "I'll be like, hey, who put this?" box back with literally one frosted mini wheat in it. Oh my gosh. One. Who's gonna eat that? You know, or like the milk goes back and Isaac's not much better, to be honest. I, I think something about that age, they're like maybe they're even more self-centered than yeah. even the younger kids. I don't know. Um but yeah, there's like a trickle of half and half in the bottom of the container. And then you just don't know that like when you go to make your shopping list, you don't yeah. realize that the thing is empty. But you know it's funny, as I'm talking about this and when I was talking about the thing before with having the empathy or the forward thinking enoughness to just take care of something, those are things I learned from peer relationships Mm -hmm. after I moved out of the house. Yeah. So like roommates, they'll teach you what you need to know. Yep. Eventually a boyfriend or girlfriend or a spouse or partner, like those people, I cared more. Like Mm -hmm. I was just, you know, when I was out of my home and then living with a roommate, Suddenly, it first of all became very obvious no one was going to pick up after us. So we had to figure it yep. out. But I also really cared about being a good roommate yep. more than I honestly cared about being a good citizen of my home yep. when I was a little kid or or a teenager even. So it's not. it doesn't mean they're not going to ever learn it. They're just going to learn it from different people than me.
0: And it doesn't mean that you as the household manager shouldn't like set your expectations and let them know when they're being jerks about it but you're right that the expectation that it probably won't sink in or it'll sink in so much more organically in yeah. a peer living situation i think is so right you're so right
1: i think where our influence is it comes into play later but it still comes into play i was just laughing to myself yesterday um and this is kind of a tangential thing but it still kind of plays into this like We all learn certain things from our families that Mm -hmm. then we carry forward into new new, um, households, Mm -hmm. whether it's roommates or marriage or whatever. Like my mom always covered, if she made cookies or cake or whatever, she always covered it, the pan, with a dish towel. Ergo, I always cover Mm -hmm. baked goods with a dish towel. Ergo, now I see when my kids bake things, they always cover the pan with a dish towel. Mm -hmm. Nobody uses like saran wrap. Nobody uses foil. We always use a dish towel. And I just, it made me laugh because I thought, I wonder what things from our household will get brought forward. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe a way of cleaning things up. And, you know, some people load the dishwasher once a day. Some people clean as they go. Like what will be the little things that get carried forward? And so it's not like what I'm doing doesn't matter at all. It's just, they're not ready yet to like, in our environment, take responsibility for it. Yeah.
0: It's like with little kids, like when you read the developmental books, like they always tell you like until they're ready, the information doesn't stick, right? Like it doesn't learn to talk until their brain has built that scaffolding and it's ready to like stick that information or learn to read or potty train or all these other things. And so, yeah, it is. It's like creating the life skills environment, but expecting that it won't stick until it has to, it needs to, or they have some, like they have some driving reason for that information to stick. Right. Yeah. My next one has to do with, um, I, I was inspired by Christine's list. I was looking over it again. I had seen it before and there's, there's so many great examples of Household fixing, you know, changing batteries, changing light bulbs. Um, you mentioned plunging a toilet, things that we do. They don't take very long. We do them a lot of different times, but we sometimes forget to teach our kids. And where I will fully admit to falling down on the job a bit here is I have leaned into one particular kid's interest and talent in these areas and then not taught the others to do them. And unfortunately, mm. it's also fallen on gender lines. So, My boy is interested in taking things apart. He's great with electronics. Um, He has great fine motor skills from all that Lego building. So he has become like the de facto battery changer. Hey, will you figure out like, what kind of cord this needs and like charge mm. it for me. And it's, it's great. He's like a little, you know, he's like my little handyman in he's that. your IT. Yeah, he <laughs> yes. is. A handyman. Um, but unfortunately, and even more, unfortunately, kind of because it falls on gender lines, I'm really realizing that I have not taken the same amount of time and energy to teach the girls those skills. And of course it did not start out being a boy and girl thing, but now that it is, I'm like even more like, duh, like the girls right. need to know how to change batteries and, you know all of these things, so I'm inspired by Christine's list and inspired by all the little things we do around the house to fix or troubleshoot. Um, and it's not always with electronics or technology. It might be more of a cleaning thing or more of a um, a repair, like how to na- how to how to you know hammer a nail into a wall or remove yeah. a nail from the wall. How to use a screwdriver, all of those things. So I just kind of have a renewed. Um I'm inspired to equal the playing field a bit um with yeah. those gender lines and just make sure that I'm not defaulting to like whichever kid is naturally interested and good at this thing doesn't mean um that that's the only kid who needs to learn that life skill and the same would go for for pet care. Like I have one, my Violet is so oriented toward animals. And so I could easily let her do all of the pet care and kind of forget that the other two, that that's a beneficial life skill for them. So maybe this one is more about just having that awareness um, that all three of my kids need these life skills, whether or not they are naturally drawn to them.
1: And to be honest, like I don't necessarily have all these life skills, like, you know, tidy and tucked away. Like there are definitely. I mean, I think I've done everything on this list at least once, but it doesn't mean that my skills are up to par either. So you could also look at it as teaching yourself, or you know, really kind of um, taking that opportunity to brush up on a yeah. skill that like, you let's haven't learned this into together. Play. I haven't, you know, yeah. I haven't yeah. changed
0: out the air filters in a few years. Like, let's let's watch a YouTube right. video together and figure this out. Yeah.
1: Yep. Totally. Yeah. Well, so my last one is effectively using a planner or an organizing system. Um, mm, that's a good one. I think because I had to learn this the hard way. I I really don't use planners the way I think they're supposed to be used. <laughs> I have come up with my, and we've talked about mm-hmm. our systems for to-do lists and calendaring. And I know you've done kind of the same thing. Like We kind of rig together yeah. our own systems, but it took me many years um, of trying and in doing workarounds and um, you know, trying out new systems and then having them not really work. And I finally kind of settled into my own groove in I think it was like into my 30s by the mm-hmm. time I was finally settling it, you know, settling it. So now I feel a little at loose ends when I try to show my kids how to organize like their lives. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to teach them how to do it for themselves because I wasn't taught. I just made it up. <laughs> and I don't. They, have, they all have planners at school. Mm-hmm. Um, some of their teachers are really good about showing them at the beginning of the year, like how to use their planners, mm-hmm. and some aren't. And now they don't have access to the teachers the same way that they did. So I was yeah. kind of like relying on that relationship to make, especially because when they get into middle school or high school, they've got multiple teachers who maybe have them use them different ways yep. or have them use different systems. So, like, I couldn't be in control of that. So I just kind of let that happen at school. Now I sort of have to help them. And I don't really know how to take the way I do it and translate that into a way that it works for a kid who's in school or that would work for their personalities and the way they absorb information and remember things. So it's just, it's daunting. And I know how important it can be to create structure around yourself in that way, especially if you have the kind of brain I do that jumps all over the place. Um, But I don't know how to help them. I don't know how to do
0: that. I think that's so smart because we have talked at length about organization and time management for ourselves as moms. And it's such a learned skill. And it is so specific to individual personalities. Like that's what we always come back to is the right system is the right system that works for you. And there's no one like store-bought planner or app or software that is going to click if it doesn't work for you. So I agree. I think that is, that is a challenge. I have so much empathy for these kids in remote learning right now who are, I've had, so I have a fourth grader and a sixth grader. The sixth grader um, actually really struggles with executive functioning normally, but the the school and the teachers in the first half of the year really did a good job of like kind of helping them get started. So I feel like she was actually in a better place. Fourth grade He's so little still to have this school so nebulous now. It all happens online and there's nobody like writing down the assignments and he's a good student and a fast worker, but like, I'll see him just be like, I don't know when I'm supposed to do this. Like there's, yeah, it's like when you get I to college. Or I don't know what to start
1: on. Yes, it's there's, like, there's this list of stuff, but what, what do I do when? And yeah. what's, how do I prioritize? Yeah. And
0: I've just tried to tell, now your kids are a little bit older. And so we're kind of having two different sides of this conversation. But for my fourth grader, I've just told him, buddy, this is like something I didn't really learn till college of how to have like, a bunch of different priorities and know what to start on when and how much time things would take. Like if you have an assignment due a week from now, they now have to kind of break that up themselves, or I have to yes. do it and I'm not. Um, because right. not having the built-in class period every day, we're gonna work a little bit more on this yes. book report and every day.
1: Yep. I just feel for them. I feel for them. And sitting in your desk and looking up and having a whiteboard that's yeah. reminding you, like in a classroom, literally every cue reminds you of the things that you're supposed to be focusing on. Yeah. And it's just, we don't have that at home. And I don't, I mean, their their assignments are so all over the place that I don't have the time in my day. I don't even know that I have the ability, honestly, to do the job that the teacher would do Mm -hmm. if they were in the classroom with them. So it's all very, it's all very haphazard. I guess one thing I will say is that this is making me at least feel motivated or convicted to talk at least about systems in general, Mm -hmm. because- I would never have found a system that worked for me if I hadn't messed with a whole bunch that didn't. Yeah. Yes. So even trying something and not having it work is better than just throwing your hands up or just not doing anything and and just, you know, I don't even know the word, like haphazardly yeah. doing whatever's in front of you. They have to start somewhere.
0: Or or to internalize the belief that this means I'm dumb or I'm, I'm disorganized and right. I'm just never going to get it. Um, I was thinking about our friend Jess Leahy, and she was just recently on the uh, deck ship. What what's his name? Dax, Dax's Dax podcast. Shepherd. Yeah. I like yes. blanked out on his name, armchair expert. So I had her voice in my head again recently. Um, and you know, the way she talks about it, like, it's kind of like, well, if that didn't go how you wanted, you missed that assignment. Cause you didn't have it written down. Like what would help next time? It's not like yeah. you're a bad person or you're forgetful. Um, but like, what, what could we do next time that would prevent that thing that was unpleasant that just happened to you? from happening again. And it might be a post, like a post-it note on your Chromebook. It doesn't have to be a fancy app, but kind of helping kids realize that like, oh, I could do something organizationally different next time and have a different result. And it's not that I'm just, you know, forgetful as a, as a, like a blanket label that I have to internalize about myself now. So, yeah.
1: It's been interesting talking to different friends of mine about how their kids are doing. And some are really taking it to heart that they're not that they're not able to keep up with things or they don't really know what to do. And yeah. they're they're really down on themselves yeah. about it. And it's, it's it's a bummer. It is yeah. a bummer because this yeah.
0: nobody, nobody asked for this or thought That's this was exactly be the case. Well, my last one, area of growth opportunity, also has to do with something I've observed since we've been remote learning, but it's on a little bit more of like a functional side of things. And that is taking care of our tech devices. Oh my gosh. Mm. So I'm not talking about like, how to use the internet or how to like organize your digital files. Like we talked about, I'm talking about the physical device. So at school they have Chromebooks and we we did have the choice to go get a Chromebook from school, but I, I, we had a couple of old laptops. So we've been using those, but I just see, like I see them going to these devices that are not charged. They've got sticky fingers. They've got 10 million browser tabs open. And you're then, describing me, Sarah. I, know, I knew, I knew you were going <laughs> to say that. I knew you were going to say that, but you are, you are an adult who has made your choices and I have no judgment about you, but my children with devices, oh my gosh, it is, it's totally triggering a lot of my like control issues about tech. And I'm like, okay, maybe I don't have to, I don't have to make them into, you know, perfect little tech users or impart some of my weirdness onto them. But there's a lot of room for me to help them take care of these devices. So they don't like die or break or have lunch spilled down into the keyboard. Um, The browser tabs open like for Reed who does, they all do these video conference classes and like, he'll be like, the camera's not working. I'm like, it's because you have five different virtual meetings open in like 200 tabs, like shut everything down but like, make sure it's charged. Oh, look, there's a diet. There's a little box popped up over here that's still running in the background. Or I can hear the fan frantically running. (laughs) So anyway, I I admit this is totally like one of those things I feel the need to control. But I do think going back to like the life skills list, I do think there's lots that we can teach our kids about taking care of their devices, just like we teach them to take care of their rooms or their bathrooms or anything else. And I'm going to see it as an opportunity because I never saw this in the classroom. I, you know, I never saw... And those Chromebooks are made durable for a reason because they get banged around and thrown around. And the kids will be like, oh, mine's missing a few keys. And I'm like, well, now you're in Sarah Power's school and like you're going to take care of this laptop. So anyway. I'm just
1: laughing because when I was married to a person who was very um, could be very not I'm not going to say control freaky. It was a value, a very high value point for him to yeah. take good care of the tech devices. And the boys have all followed suit because they're all gamers. Yeah. And it's important to them to have their tech devices well cared for. And you can just see Clara and I like what we're like, what ifs? <laughs> Like she half the time has no idea where her phone is. Like she throws her computer on her bed or like be like leaned in between the bed and the wall. My stuff is a, like a filthy mess. And I just wonder like poor John when yeah. she goes to his place, um, it's like he's having to unlearn her all the things, like all the bad habits that I've learned that's that so I've funny. taught her. That's so and funny. probably he's just thinking, like, this is one less thing I have to worry about in my life is Megan's technology. It's probably a nice little relief for him. But then I don't have to worry about anyone breathing down my neck about it. So it's that's a nice true. Little, and it's he nice can take
0: on to the life skill imparting to Clara <laughs> yes. if he wants, because it is a, <laughs> exactly. like, you, it's a perfect way to put it. It's a value thing to him. Yes. As it is to me. Yeah. But I was thinking about if you are listening at home and have really tiny kids, um, and just want if you're just bored and want to teach a couple of life skills, I think the the tablets and the kindles and the fires and everything your little tiny kids are using, they can learn to plug them in and unplug them. They can yeah. learn to power them up, power them down. They could learn to wipe them down if that's a thing that you do. So, you know, just something to think about adding in at whatever value level it exists for you. So
1: well, and and there is something to be said for the fact that if they learn to plug in their own stuff, you don't have to deal with the fact that like now there's not enough outlets and someone's computer is dead. Or if they are good at taking care of their headphones, you don't have to buy them new headphones as often. So stuff like that. I mean, it does, it definitely does make your job easier Mm -hmm. if they have at least a baseline. I know this because my kids have that baseline. I just didn't teach it to them. Yeah.
0: It just, and you don't have to be the one who teaches them everything. So there you go. That's true.
1: Okay. well, I actually don't feel as bad about myself as I thought I was going to. How about you, Sarah?
0: (laughs) Well, I mean, yes, I I agree. And I I like that we kept most of these as like a pretty broad, like, yeah, it's not it's not a checklist. It's not a race. It's not like a pass fail. So there are definitely things we will continue to work on as we stay at home for an indeterminate amount of time.
1: Yeah, well, hopefully people listening now have a little dose of inspiration and then maybe also a little dose of just feeling better about wherever wherever they are at yeah. with um, their kids and life skills. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And thank you so much for all the feedback we've been getting lately on all of our different episodes and the content we're putting out. It just means a lot and we appreciate you. And also just a reminder that our monthly newsletter goes out next week. So if you're not signed up, we'll put a link in the show notes uh, and you can do that.
0: Yeah, it's my turn to write an essay this month. We always alternate and we publish an essay in our newsletter that you don't really read anywhere else. So that's kind of fun. And that'll go out on Monday, May fourth. And then we also always send a really handy list of all of our sponsor promo codes in the newsletter. So if you've been trying to remember what's the one promo code for that one sponsor I wanted to check out when you're on our email list, um, you will get that once a month all in one handy list. So definitely sign up if you're not already getting our newsletter. And we will be back with you on Sunday with another episode in our Pandemic Perspective series. And then, of course, again on Tuesday after that. So we'll talk to you then.